Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Surf and Sales podcast. I'm your co-host. I'm Scott Least, here with my buddy Richard Harris. And we are joined today by Kate Lewis in Manchester in the UK. Kate is the CEO and co-founder of e for enable And we're really excited to talk to her and continue our mission of learning more and more about sales in the UK and getting different perspectives on sales and leadership and growth and all this stuff. So thanks so much for, uh, for joining us, Kate. Oh, it's great to be here, gentlemen. Looking forward to it. I'm very excited and have already declared that Kate is my favorite UK sales leader because off camera in the first 30 seconds, she told me that she's a Liverpool supporter. So yeah. we're already bonded. So I'm very excited about this. Whole family. <laughs> so t tell us uh, about your company. Tell us about e for enable and, and what you all do and, and why you started it. Yeah, sure. Okay, so e for enable is a competency-based coaching platform. Uh, essentially taking you on the journey from definition of what good looks like to developing your salespeople towards that, that goal and then measuring the outcomes. Um, and it's a, a huge passion of mine to peel back the usual kind of whip them to work them hard type approach and actually understanding the, the intellect, the skill, the behaviors that sit behind what makes a great salesperson. And um, it, it came about from two, two areas, actually. One, I was rolling out um, some sales training globally uh, at a previous organization and um, everybody high fives, loved it. Yeah, high five, top 10, love it, yeah. And then tomorrow arrives and everyone gets back to the day job and it sort of goes and disappears, right? Just disappears because the pressure comes on and all of the good things they said they were gonna do go out the window. And it's not just salespeople, it's sales leaders who, to me, are the pivotal part of any change program like that. So that made me think, okay, so if you want to instill change, how do you make sure it's embedded and reinforced? Because it's not necessarily just the training. In fact, the training is just one small part of it. It's all the stuff that comes after, right? It's, it's all the stuff that comes after that actually embeds it and creates a, uh, becomes part of your DNA uh, as an organization. Um, and, and the second part that drove kind of the birth of e for enable was um, just being flippantly asked on, on numerous occasions, can you just rate your salespeople? Just, I want to know, yeah, ABC players, please, just rate your salespeople. And kind of going, well, that's great. Based on what? You know, because numbers are part of the story. They really are. And they're a hugely important part of the story, right? Massively important. But that doesn't necessarily say who are my A players. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily say who, who I would want on my bus going forward. Um, and so that definition of, of, of what does good look like, what does great look like, and being able to assess both, both from a behavioral and skill perspective and an outcomes perspective was really, really important to me. And I couldn't get to that place where it could be spread throughout an organization and become part of the operating rhythm. Um, and so I thought, sod it. If I can't find it, I'll build it. <laughs> so I have, a, I have a question. So because I run into this all the time and Scott knows me, I'm really big on the psychology of sales and the mindset of sales and salespeople and, and frankly the mindset of humans. But the first hump you have to get over isn't with the team, it's with that leadership group of like, wait a minute, a person's not a number. It's not about productivity and output all the time in terms of a sheer formulaic perspective. How do you encourage the leadership to change their frame of reference around that? Because I think that to me is 
you know, they'll often, I can only imagine you've heard, Kate, that's fantastic. I love that. But, you know, <laughs> ignore all that stuff Kate just said and get me back to the number, right? Yeah. Um, how do you even start to have that conversation at the leadership level, which is where it's got to start? So in, in kind of instilling that, that cultural change, first of all, you, you do have to define, everybody has to speak the same language. So you have to define what good looks like and you have to buy into it from top to bottom, right? So the, the, the CRO, the, the SVP of sales has to be able to say, I buy into this. I'm going to do it with my sales leaders. I'm going to model those behaviors and I, and I am going to instill this culture. Yeah, so but it what starts is that? With, but what does Sorry, that mean? What do you, yeah. So what do you say to the CRO who is the high five guy, right? How do you get that CRO to stop, pause, take a breath? And in my opinion, admit what they've known all along, but they've just purposely avoided. How do you, where do you take that conversation with that type of person? So I, I think it, it's the same with any sales conversation. It's through a, a, a narrative of stories, isn't it? And experiences. It's, it's, we all, we all intrinsically know we've come across that situation where we've had a brilliant performer that's, that's, that's smashing the numbers, but A, we don't know why we can't replicate them. They're a bit of a, can I swear on this? They're a bit of a shit bag. Um, we don't, they're not unhealthy, not healthy. And, and perhaps they're, they're part luck. So I would tend to share my experiences as a, as a senior sales leader and say, you know, I've had people who've smashed their number that I would never want in my organization if I was to pick them going forward. Their behaviors are bad or they've just had a drop in at the end of year or a great partner that they perhaps worked with and, and come in lucky. So it's, it's peeling that back and B after you've done that, it's understanding if you think what you're doing right now is working, that's great. But that means that you're not pushing yourself to be the best. That means you're not pushing yourself to have every single one of your sales teams operating at that highest level. Kevin Dorsey posted something on LinkedIn that just always resonated with me massively. And that was, why do we, why do we always look to the average to start measuring people against? Why do we say, we're looking at the average order cycle, we're looking at the average order size, we're looking at the average days to win, all of these things. Why aren't we saying that this is the best we want to have everybody moving towards the best, not that they're just the right side of average. So if we're going to benchmark people, if we're going to push that way, we need to understand what makes those people the best. So for, from a CRO perspective, if we can say, okay, if you can have your, all of your salespeople driving towards that best point, because we understand what creates that best point, then we've got a much, much healthier sales organization, both mindset wise, and behavioral-wise, and skill-wise, and performance-wise. I want to go back a minute to what you said about <clears throat> a top performer that you don't want in your organization. And, and, and I want to know, what would somebody have to do, or, or how would they behave to get Kate to let them go from your sales organization? Um, I've, I've terminated multiple people who were number one or close to that in the company. And so I, I want to hear your perspective and what, what would cause you to do that and what advice you'd have for sales leaders who have some of these people who do quite well but are a bit of a pain in the ass in their organization. What advice would you have for them? Yeah, okay. So why would I let someone go? Of course, it's gross misconduct, right? So notwithstanding, somebody does something heinous. Okay, yeah, we would, we would exit the, the organization. So there's, there's a couple of approaches there. First of all, I think... 
when you start your journey of defining what good looks like, it calls those individuals out and it means that they have also got a coaching opportunity because when they start to realize where their weaknesses lie and how much better they could become if they were to work on those weaknesses, that, that's, that's one area. So it's, you know, defining what good looks like is not just for your bad performers, it's for your good performers and where they can grow as individuals by being coached in those areas. Um, but for me, it's things like interdepartmental feedback. If somebody's toxic with an organization, if, if they are, are causing the team to be pulled down, both, both mentally and, and behaviorally, if, if the feedback from those other departments is that they're impossible to work with um, because of the challenges they're causing, um, that, that for me would warrant a, a serious conversation. And then now you go ahead. I was gonna say, you've got to have pretty big balls because it's scary to, to exit somebody who's a top performer. That's really scary because that, that opens up the whole question of how do we replace them? They bring in the dollars. They're the one that recovers my quarter every, every cycle, you know, that they'll, they'll save the team. Yeah. And it's those, think, it's those, it's those anxious moments that hold us hostage. Yeah. But maybe, maybe now tell us about what, what happens in reality and the, and the benefit that you get from actually doing that. Cause that part I don't think gets talked about enough. Well, for me, I think it gives everybody around them the chance and, and the space to grow. They stop becoming the center of everything and, and, and this, this unknown magical force that drives them forward that nobody else can understand the ingredients that go into it. So by removing that one anomaly, by not having them stuck on a pedestal that they are what great looks like, actually they're not. They drive the number, yes, but they're not what makes the whole for me as an individual and for a team to succeed then it gives everybody else a space to grow. And, that, and that's why I think fundamentally peeling back behind the numbers is so, so important. And again, I'll go back to the fact that you can coach somebody on the areas of skill and weakness in, in that sense, but you can coach a top performer who's sometimes unaware of how toxic they can be and how they're not engaging with the team and how others perhaps may perceive them. But, but you've got to call it out first. I totally agree. It's funny. Um, I hope my sound's coming through. The, you know, there's always somebody who's number two and three. And what ends up happening, I see, is that two, three, and four try to battle it out for number one, right? From that, because you've gotten rid of that top position. So thereby, you really have raised three or four other people's efforts and attitude and excitement. Um, and then just the fact that they don't have to keep their mouth shut. Like oftentimes I, I've done this and I've, I've been, I've allowed myself to be held hostage in the situation. Um, I've gotten rid of the top performer and the level of relaxation that comes from the team. When you let go of this person, the level of, Oh my God, it took you long enough. Thank God you finally did it. Right. The, the better off you are. And then you also increase not just the camaraderie on the team, hopefully if you've done it the right way, you know, you've improved your leadership capabilities, you've built more trust with your team as a leader. So you've been able to do all these amazing things that are the intangibles that Scott was, you know, and you were both talking about. So I love it. I, I love that you're advising this to people because I think it needs to be done more often. Uh, it's funny, I think um, a lot of the time that, that sort of top performer in that Ah, that was me.
Richard is over here mucking up the computer. Stop muting the that work if I do it. That's the first time <laughs> that, that has happened. This is a new milestone on the show. Richard has muted our guest. Well done. I just had such a wonderful nugget of wisdom as well to, to impart. Um, now, what I was going to say is, is quite often they're seen as, as an, a, a can't excuse. I can't do what they've done. I can't. And it, you, you find by removing that, it becomes I can. Because you haven't, again, this whole mystical idea that nobody can do what they do. Nobody can do it that way. We don't know how he does it, but or she does it, but they get there. So it suddenly turns a can't into a can. Um, now, I hope, and, and, and again, that that's not the experience of, of, of so many people. And I think it's, it's important to say not all top performers are shitbags by any means, you know, and, and it's the ones that are generous with their time that coach others that play the team game and that still drive forward that performance are the absolute gold dust that you want to fight to keep in your organization. You, you've been a, a head of sales, VP of sales, whatever you want to call it, <clears throat> a number of times. It, it looks like four or five based on your, your, your profile. Um, when did you know that it was the right time for you to go out on your own and and, and build your own company? Was this something that you had thought about for a while that you had, you know, a goal of yours like 10, 15 years prior, or did it just kind of happen? Um, I think part plan, part opportunity and timing. I am, um, I, when I fill out, so a couple of times in my career, I've been asked to fill out like sales questionnaires. Are you right for sales? Do you know the behavioral kind of, are you a right fit for sales? And in every single one, I come out as no. You come um, out as no on all. I on come all out the, as no. All of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I came out no all the time early in my career. I don't know what would happen now. Oh well, well, that's good. So so yeah, earlier on, I came out as no, right? And so I think it's because they're all driven to this. You just want to hit the number. You want to smash it. You want to do this, this, and this. And I love the creativity aspect. I love the nurturing. I love mentoring coaching and developing other people and i like roles that give me that ability and when i saw the gap in 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 the kind of market i saw that i wanted to create something for myself actually as a sales leader if i put myself in that shoes it was i need this and then it it became that it also satisfied my need for for creativity and development and I love getting involved in in like lots of different things in an organization not just being pigeonholed into just sales it really satisfied my kind of personality I guess um, and that allowed me to take the leap are you are you finding it to be what you expected I mean you're in your your first year in, by for context of everybody so you and I started at exactly the same time, by the way, October 2019 is when Great we, time. Both, Great we, time. Both, we both cut the cord and stopped working for anybody else. So I'm, I'm, these questions are selfish on my part as I'm trying to learn <laughs> doing exactly what I'm doing. But how, you know, what have you, what have you learned so far? Like, has it gone how you expected? Has it been a roller coaster? Are you doing, you know, phenomenal? Is it a nightmare? Like, I'm, I'm curious for these, these kind of entrepreneurial learnings for people who've been in sales leadership roles for a number of years? Yeah, okay, so in the business plan, I did not have a section for COVID. 
That's that just was poor, missing. Just poor forecasting. It was poor part. forecasting on my part, planning on my part, but I did not have that. Um, so, do you know what? What doesn't break you makes you stronger. Um, so I have, uh, to be honest, I've loved every minute of it. And part of what I loved every minute of it is I've I've been challenged. I've learned new things. I was a little novice and quiet on LinkedIn and things like that. I was the person that went, okay, I'm just going to reread that post. 450 times and then I'm going to be so anxious when I press post that worries me and and what I found is I've just I've found a new confidence I've found a whole new tribe is another thing and and I don't it's part COVID part part otherwise part communities coming together but I have I have met people I never would have met I've I've connected I've joined groups I've launch things and been part of and I almost want to say and it seems a bit crappy given what's going on in the world but but there's a kind of a positive movement in sales so I think for me the timing is right that that sales is coming together and 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 expecting higher standards and moving itself forward as, as a career choice as a, as a role uh, uh, you know as an industry in its own right and I think that's a hugely exciting thing to be part of so that's yeah. been absolutely brilliant yeah I think I think we've really come together as a community mm. and there's yeah. little there's little communities that have been been forming you know I, I run Thursday night sales Richard runs his coffee talk I saw you participated in five on Friday with Amy. yeah we brought that over to the UK uh, now yeah Patrick and why not yeah so I I agree. If there is there is positives from everything you can take out. Kate, were you were you on the the female version of UK versus USA? No, I was on the the boys v girls UK version, but not on the on the girls US versus UK version. What happened in the boys versus girls version? What? How did that? Happen? <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Actually, it was a really interesting discussion. I'm not normally one. Um, to label myself as a, as a woman in business. I've, I've stayed clear of that, if in all honesty, because I'm a great believer in, in I'm a person. And if I'm right for the job, it's because I've got the right skills, behaviors, and, 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 and culture. But um, that was a really insightful discussion um, that it turned into. It was, you know, it's a bit lighthearted in terms of the competitive angle of it, right? Yeah. It was fun. Of course. But, um, but that was interesting. So- I would I would tell you to look at it a slightly different way as I you know and I, and I appreciate the sort of non-gender approach but I also think that that then means we try to negate what we do bring to the table because I I am a guy I bring something with me right I have to have I mean it's just who I am doesn't mean I can't be re-educated or get better same with you as a woman you you come from a perspective that's different than mine so I'd want to learn from you as a woman in fact um, I went, someone asked me the other day, who do I thrive better under men or women as leaders? And I actually went back and I've thrived probably like 60% better under women than men. And I really thought about it and I was like, well, I wonder if that's because I come from split parents and my mom did most of the rearing, right? So did that afford some level of respect? You know, so, so for me, I, I want to embrace it in a healthy way. I know there's danger there, right? But um, I would, I would, you know, Embrace who you are would be my advice, right? Particularly as you move forward in this, as, as having done this the last eight years, as a consultant independent, you are who you are. Go for it. So, 
Yeah, and 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 to that point exactly. I you know I am who I am. I I happen to be a woman, and yes, I bring different things to the table, but we're a product of our experiences. Um, and and for me, I touch wood, I've been very lucky. I've never had a sense that I don't fit or belong or have struggled because of my gender. I am extremely lucky uh, about that. I, I recognise that, but but because of that, I haven't ever seen myself in that gender way. Um, I've just, you know, I was schooled by my dad in terms of how to, to operate in business. He's my hero, right? And um, I've had women leaders who are great. I've had women leaders who are not great. I've had male leaders that are great, male leaders who have not. All of whom, again, haven't, I've never felt like I've been viewed as, as, as anything other than a, you know, a, a, business, really, a successful person. A successful what, person who's good at what I do. Yeah, what, Talk more about your dad, though. What did your dad instill in you? Like, if you think back to your, you know, yeah, legitimately to your early childhood memories, right? You're growing up and your father's building your mental health and your, your self-worth and your self-esteem. What kind of, do you, what, what comes to mind when you hear those thoughts about your dad be, and, and him make you, him becoming your hero? So my dad is, is, um, it's a really good question. Gosh, um, my, my dad has a strength and a clarity of kind of his conviction and seeing him operate, you know, in a meeting room. I, I had the joy of working with him um, for a number of years and, and learned a lot of what, you know, who I am and, and how I operate in business and in meetings from him. And, you know, his strength of belief and his ability to execute on that was something that really carries through with me um but he was also always fair you know he was always fair and still is to this day a fair and thoughtful and kind man so and but, that well-rounded aspect i think i think just sticks with me right so you said earlier right like it takes stories right what's a story what what's what's a time when you really remember and and look it doesn't have to be in in a meeting a business meeting it could be from your your childhood or or as you were growing into an adult, but I'm just curious to that story because I think that's what people love to hear. Gosh, that's a really good question. You're making me drag through my memories here. So he's, he's extremely kind of protective and he will go the extra yards for anybody. In my early twenties, I had a, 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 love, a lovely cat called Betty, black cat, got smushed on the road uh, on, on Halloween, right? How freak is that? Black cat smushed. I phoned my mom, I drove home from work and, and saw her there, phoned my mum and dad and I was distraught, I was just, I was just broken and um, I had to drive past every day on this and I said to my dad, I just can't bear the thought of driving past her every day until it clears away. So we drove home and um, my mum told me, my dad's never told me this, right, this is how he, he will do things, but my mum told me about two weeks later that, that later that night my dad couldn't settle and he came out in the night with his spade and with his car. Bearing in mind, he lived 45 minutes away from me and he cleared my cat off the road. And that's the loyalty and the not need for glory and just the type of man he is. And uh, yeah. That's beautiful. And that's what we want, right? Like I, you, you try to, you know, as a leader, right? We, we, we protect our team from the executives, right? We don't tell them, every, you know, every time we get yelled at because we missed the number, we don't always go and yell at the team, right? We need to protect them and, and support them and nurture them and, and, and find a right way to rechange that message. <laughs> to yeah. get it you through. have to have broad shoulders. 
Just yeah. because pressure is being exerted down on you doesn't mean that you can't convert that into healthy pressure further down. You don't just need to be the messenger. You don't just need to carry that and say, I've been told I need to do more, so you do more. It's okay, I've been told I need to do more. I'm going to work with my team. I'm going to explore the areas that we can do this together. And I'm going to do the right things in order to get the outcome, not just push down hard. And that's, that's a huge lesson. The other thing is that, that you give credit where credit's due. You don't need to tell everybody about the things that you've achieved. You know, you can quietly go about supporting people and making them great and underpinning their career without needing to pat yourself on the back all the time and shout from the hilltops. I did that. You know, I did that. You know, it's enough to see your team grow and blossom and move through their career and just feel good about that for them. What are some of the specific things that <clears throat> people can do to, to not just keep that shit rolling downhill and shield, shield your team from the pressure? I, this is, this is something that I think most sales leaders struggle with in particular early in their, in their career. Um, some, some people still struggle with it. I certainly struggle with it at times, even now. Um, what are some of the specific things that, that one can do in your mind to, to, to do the right things? Um, so there's a couple that spring to mind. One, uh, the first one is one size does not fit all. You need to understand your people individually and understand A, how you get the best out of them and B, where you need to support them. So again, I'll go back to that. If you can understand what good looks like, you can understand where they're struggling and how to get the best out of them against those skills and behaviors that they have. Then you can drive the best outcome for that individual and that best outcome for that individual will drive the best outcome for the team because you're doing that with each individual. Um, not just going, I'm just gonna one size fits all everybody and just tell them all to do the same thing that for me doesn't work because everybody works slightly differently and is motivated by different things that will, will drive them the extra mile. Um, so, so, so that's one thing. Um, another thing is um, pulling the team together and being as, as transparent as you possibly can. Um, I know in a, a particular situation that I was in, um, that there'd been some changes in the organization and, and the team we're facing an enormous amount of change and therefore the gut reaction is just to react and, and kind of not either use the change as an excuse or not do it. Um, and we actually, just, we pulled together, we all got in a room um, and we all created a shared goal. Uh, we called it the big hairy audacious goal. It was our BHAG. Uh, and we all had little monsters posted everywhere afterwards just to remind us what our personal BHAG was. And then what we wanted to achieve as a team, what did we want to be known for? And that what's in it for me, that buy-in, rather than that, you need to do this for me. It's you're doing it for you. You're doing it for, for, for the shared collective and, and to achieve what we've all agreed is just a fundamental shift change in people wanting to perform and wanting to get there. What is the co-founder relationship like? This is something that we don't talk about very often on, on, our, on our show. Um, oh, well, I've got an unusual uh, co-founder relationship. Well, tell, tell us about it. <laughs> my co-founder is actually my other half, so is my husband. I'm in uh, the enviable position that um, I, I happen to be married to a very gifted uh, technical developer who has mm. built and run development teams, is a gifted developer himself and scaled those teams. 
So when I came home and I was frustrated going, I want to do this and why can't I do I, re- I would love to be able to achieve this. Um, it was him that said, well, why, you know, I could develop that. And the rest is history. So we have, um, yeah, we have a, a husband and wife relationship, which I guess is fairly weird in the, in the tech co-founder environment, but it works very well. I, I, I have a client who is a husband and wife <clears throat> co-founding team, and they have gotten pushback um, from investors about the, the, their relationship in the business and, out, and outside of the business. It, it can't all be, you know, perfect and, and positive. Is it, does it, how do you, how do you balance like work, stress and conflict with regular life and real life stress and conflict and decisions and all that? I'm trying to imagine Richard, Richard knows my wife very well. I'm trying to imagine <laughs> we're working alongside Janet and, and which one of us would kill the other person first. Um, well, I think so, the first thing is to, to understand and recognize each other's areas of strength. So again, we're quite lucky that, that I, I will never tell him how to develop or what the best technology platform, the best way to do something in that sense. So I'm, I'm, we're very clear on that. That's your strength. That's your baby. And equally, he would never say to me, oh, yeah, but have you thought about this in how, how you might sell to this person a bit better? And I'd be like, Oof say some strong words let's be fair um, so understanding our strengths is really clear um, the other thing and it was um something somebody said on a, a, a revenue collective session we were on the other day um Suzanne Jacobs and she said um the notion of work and life is quite interesting people talk about work-life balance if if you are involved in what you do and you love what you do it's not a work-life balance it's just a life balance so in everything that we do, I don't have these lines of demarcation that say, Nick, it's five o'clock. We can't talk about work anymore. We must talk about the children. It just ebbs and flows. It meanders through our, our lives and, and is intrinsically weaved into it. So we'll be sitting watching, you know, I don't know, Game of Thrones and going, oh my God, I've just thought of an amazing idea for this. <laughs> it just, um, or, or, or we'll be sitting having a glass of wine and chat about it. So. I, yeah yes there's just, again the whole life balance thing yes it's disagreement yeah there's debate but understanding the strengths and understanding you're, you're getting to a goal uh, and understanding it's part of your life how long have the two of you been together before you started having a co-founder relationship together uh we'd been together about 13 years and so 15 so, now well yeah can we have 15 so, so to some extent there's our you figured out how to navigate the challenging times in general, right? Whether it's conversations or disagreements, as opposed to imagine if you were 25 ish and just trying to start your relationship yeah. and your business and not that it can't be done, but that's a whole other dynamic, I think. So yeah. I think you, matured, you bring a, a life maturity to it in a different way. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent agree. You know, if you think of me for enable as our third child, so, you know, we've done it with, with two kids. We've got two kids. We've navigated the disagreements around, you know, I would have done it this way. You would have done it that way. And you can navigate through that. There it is. That's how you're going to go into business with Janet. That's it. <laughs> it will be your... Uh, I've, I've sworn off having a third, a third child of any kind. 
Right. <laughs> but, but you just gave birth to one in October. Let's be honest. Oh, God. Oh, no, so I don't. New business and new baby, Scott, at the no, same time. No, he's teasing. He's saying my business is, mm. is the new baby. I mean, that is the Yeah, third. it is. I'm, it absolutely I'm, is. No, I'm, I, you both are wrong. I'm telling myself repeatedly that my business <laughs> is not a baby because I don't want to have anything to do, to do with that. <laughs> are you... Are you nurturing and parenting burgeoning young salespeople yes you are what it, what is that and is it as challenging as it is for me and richard with our young salespeople who are way smarter than me and way better negotiators already than i am i think it's been challenging them being we, we took salespeople on as brand new, straight from school, like straight from university, straight from school. Um, and they joined three weeks before uh, the lockdown happened. I mean, your, I meant your kids, not, not oh, like- Oh, my kids. Not kids you're, you're, you're hiring. I meant, are you, are you raising- Both are good questions kids? though. I want to hear the Both answer. Both are good questions, yeah. Okay, my kids. So my daughter is, 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 is gifted in the technical side of things. Right, so she's 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 a good negotiator because she's just steadfast. Yeah, she'll go that, but she's steadfast. So you 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 find yourself in knots with her uh, as a as a teenager. Um, So she's got she's absolute belief in what what she's doing. Um, My son is is probably more in the the sales side of things, but he's he's ten. He gets really interested uh, in in everything that I'm doing and everything everything we're doing. so yes and no, they are they are interested. Would I would I have them in the business? That's a different a different question. Having worked with family, um, I want them to go out and find their own experiences and find what what works for them before I would even consider anything like that. Um, they need to grow. I said we are a product of our experiences, and that means you need to have lots of experiences and 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 lots of different perspectives in life um, before I bring so- them back into the fold. On the flip side, would you go back and choose a different husband? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's a really, let me just think on that a minute. <laughs> yeah. Talk, but talk, seriously, talk about the kids you are bringing on, right? You were, you were starting to say, it sounded like you were starting to say, right yeah, before, right the before the lockdown. So what happened? How did, how did you navigate that? Cause I think people are fascinated by that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, God, you know, we drink our own champagne, so it does help that we have this, this, you know, this platform that allows me to make sure we're really clear around how to develop them as individuals. Um, so, so that's been extremely helpful. So when there's lots of noise going on around you, when there's lots of change going on around you, again, having that map, having that frame of reference to always come back to, this is what we're trying to achieve. These are the things that we're trying to develop. This is why we're trying to do it. These are the goals that you're trying to achieve and these are the outcomes that will drive is extremely helpful. But, but even so, trying to build a culture in a, you know, a new startup when nobody is, is there in an office together has, has been an interesting flip. So what do you so how do you do that right so like what are three tips if i were going to go out and start some business and hire some salespeople right now how would you encourage people to create that engaging culture aside from using your platform aside which, which obvious. obvious but buy it no um so a couple of the things that work really well for us practical things 
Um, we've always had um, a morning scrum. We call it scrum. Uh, it's like a developer scrum and it's a whole company scrum. Um, and it's, it's every single morning, it's no more than 15 minutes and it's a stand up. Here's what we're going to achieve today. Here's what we did yesterday. Here's what prevented me from achieving what I said I was going to do yesterday. And, and you know, opening it out there, see if anybody's got any perspective and help on that. And then here's what I'm going to do today. Um, that has helped everybody get to know each other in the organization. And we are small, don't, don't forget. In previous organizations, we've done that just with sales and a couple of departments dipping in. Um, and then we have a closure uh, at the end of every day. So that's just the practical, right? Um, I think learning from each other. So again, involving the whole organization. So even in things like role plays, right? Not just doing a role play with me, but doing one with customer success, doing one with their, seeing how different people react to the things that you're saying. Again, brings every department and everybody feeling like they're part of the same thing. Um, and then I suppose finally, and this should go without saying in my opinion, but it's caring about the whole person getting to know the whole person, getting to know what makes them tick you, and letting you, you do that like, in a world, right? Like, I mean, I, I mean, the obvious is sort of a, a happy hour type situation or, or just part of the natural part of the morning scrum or afternoon wrap up, but anything specific you've done to, to help build that, get to know each other person part? Um, good question. What do we do just naturally within that? I would say probably the biggest thing is, is that, immediacy of, of wanting to share share news share information share what's going on around you so i'm you know never afraid to just go to the team oh my god i've just got got a meeting with so-and-so or um they'll phone me and say hey i've just i've got this email how do i handle it or i've just done this or i've just done that so so it's those like little micro moments that kind of build the bond and and again i'll go back to that modeling the behaviors Right. So if, if, if I don't give myself as a whole person, as in let people know, you know, my kids in a way or my dog who's normally wandering around causing bother um, and, and my four book foibles, you know, I'm very often known to launch into song in the middle of a, a, a session. If there's a word that, that triggers me, just being yourself. I've seen loads of stuff on, on LinkedIn and things on COVID's meant people need to be authentic. People need to be this. They should have always been like that. It's you, right? I am myself. I am I'm myself with my team. I'm myself with my customers. I'm myself with, with whomever um, I come across. Some of that comes with age and experience and, and kind of a confidence and, and, and knowledge in yourself and just being comfortable with yourself, I guess. But it still goes to modeling that, that if, if I can show my team that I'm comfortable sometimes oversharing, <laughs> then then they feel the confidence to do the same thing. And that, that just, again, that builds that bond uh, and that culture. I'm just disappointed we didn't get a song out of this. Apparently Scott and I are not very good at you know, triggering you. So. <laughs> it's little words like let it go or, you know, things like that. I'll just, I'll just launch in, but I'm going to hold back. It's hideous. My children have been known to say to me, mommy, you're hurting my ears. And that was from a very young age. So I wouldn't ask for it if I were you. Maybe she's, she's spared us is what she yeah, I have spared you the pain and suffering. Oh, <laughs> uh, I got I, I swear I just looked down at the clock and I was like, oh my God, we've just spent like 40 minutes like having this awesome, awesome conversation, um, which, which means I have to start to wrap it up. So I, I apologize because I would, I certainly want to have you back on here and just keep learning from you and stuff. But a couple things. One, where can people get a hold of you 
if they want to try and contact you? Yeah, so it's pretty easy to get me. It's kate.eforenable.com or find me on LinkedIn, Kate Lewis. Great. I'm and then always about. How can we help you? We always sort of end the show this way of, of what can we do to help you? Um, I think I think continue the community and, and kind of the movement um, and that 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 sense of a shared goal as a sales environment. You know, for me, I want sales coaching and salespeople to be heard, to be understood and, and getting involved with things like, you know, five on Friday. We've just brought this over to the UK um, again with the ethos and understanding that we're helping people that are new to sales, stripping back that kind of. Uh, notion of fear and and a worry that that I'm going to be criticized to actually switching it to a, a positive coaching conversation because they've got people who want to help them and and, and move forward with that so so you know doing things like that are, are hugely important um, and and promoting the right skills mindset behaviors um, are, are so so important in sales today so you know if there were anything it's to encourage people to organizations to reflect start looking for themselves what does good look like and start making that that cultural shift between a to, towards a coaching culture and to understanding the salespeople and what makes them tick and what makes them great at what they do uh, and really focusing on that and having the bravery and the balls say i'm going to put that first that's what coaching first means to me i'm going to put a coaching conversation first and and put my whip away um, in terms of how to drive performance. So for me, it's get, get behind that as a message, which you guys already do. So it's hugely important. Thanks. Appreciate that. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today and spending some time with us. It's been great getting to know you. And, uh, now we've established this, this connection. So keep in touch with us. Let us know what we can do to be helpful to you. And hopefully we get a chance to I think, I think we should bring her husband on with her. <laughs> oh, tag team duo. I love it. So, I, think, I mean, I, mean it's, I say it in fun and in jest, but it's also like you don't get to hear that perspective very much. No. You know? So um, as that co-founder wedded relationship, in fact, I'd be willing to bet we could do an entire episode with the two of you to talk about the kinds of things co-founders need to do that you could give advice for because they're younger, right? They're not even married. They're just two people co-founding, right? Um, that would be a fascinating conversation too. Yeah, sounds, yep. sounds like a good plan. Absolutely. All right, okay, he'll hate me for doing this now. He'll be like, what did you promise for me? But no. <laughs> All right, take care. Thanks, gentlemen. See you soon.